Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Friends, thanks for joining us again today for another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside Podcast. And uh, each time we're on here, we get to talk to someone different in a variety of worlds. And today I'm blessed to speak with Jason Roy, the lead singer of Building 429. And as I did my homework, I think of you many ways beyond Building 429 now. So before we jump into some of what I'm thinking, let's uh, let's yeah. have you share your kind of three-minute testimony, if you will, of coming to Christ, of where you landed uh, and, and actually making a decision for Christ. And then we'll take it from there, Jason. Yeah, I grew up in a home divided of sorts, but I'd say the, the patriarch of our, of our family is my grandfather. And he had five daughters who all sang Southern gospel with him. My mom married my father and uh, he went to the military and along somewhere along the way, dad got off track and uh, by the time I was five, my parents were divorced and dad went one way, mom went the other. And, and uh, it was, you know, it was a weird time growing up like that. My mom got remarried. We began bouncing around the country. So I was from a little town called Mount Pleasant, Texas, but we bounced around the country with my new stepdad uh, from Mount Pleasant out to Dallas, out to California, to back to Houston, all the way out to North Carolina. And basically, you know, over all that time, just saw a lot of different people, made a lot of different friends along the way. But God was always a part of my life, but I never really truly surrendered myself to Christ. You know, I made a decision at 15 to move to live with my dad, left my mom and my two sisters and my stepfather in North Carolina. Pretty traumatic experience, not really fully understanding what I was doing. And then I got to Texas to live with my dad and realized that God wasn't really a part of his life. But mom had instilled in me from the time that I was a kid, when you're lost and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, run to the church, Jason, run to Jesus. And so... At 15 years old, I began running to the church, even though I went alone a lot, you know, and, you know, I, I remember specifically that, you know, the day that my father left was a, a wild day, but I remember waking up for the first time the next morning to an empty house and dreading getting ready to go to school. And I walk in, into the bathroom and on the mirror, there was one post-it note that said, 2 Timothy 1, 7, the Lord is not giving you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, love and sound mind. That became the sounding board, um, the anthem of my life. And every single day from that day on, there was always scripture on the mirror. So long story short, when I finally moved to live with my dad, thinking I was moving in to live with a superhero because my dad was, in fact, uh, Texas State's strongest man. He's the strongest man. He's a powerlifter, pro powerlifter, you know. And God wasn't a part of his life. I remember just thinking, man, like, I need a father, you know, and started writing these little songs off to the side that no one knew about because I was really an athlete of me just kind of crying out to God. And over time, God revealed himself to me in 15 at a Dawson McAllister conference in Dallas, Texas. Wow. I accepted Jesus and, and kind of fell in love with worshiping the Lord and playing music and all that kind of stuff. Fast forward a few years, I was in college at NC State and had this wild incident happen where I, I was uh, basically assaulted on a court and woke up in a hospital and didn't know my own name, but I did know 2 Timothy 1.7. Right. It's the only thing I could think in, in my head. And, um, and I remember that 
doctor said, if you'd have been hit to the left or to the right, you wouldn't be here, son. So maybe you should make your life matter. And that was it. Like uh, all, all bets were off. I knew that I had given, been given a gift of music and decided that I was going to just take that gift on, on the road and go play for anybody anywhere that would ever let me play a song and share the good news of the hope that I found in Christ. So I uh, spent six weeks with my face disfigured. They took me back in and rebroke everything, put it back together. I looked the same as I did before. And, <laughs> and I was off to the races. And that would have been in 99, maybe. And we signed our first record deal, 2003, and released our first single called Glory Defined, early 2004. And I've been traveling the world, sharing the good news of the gospel for the last 20 years. We're building 429. You know, it's amazing. I saw you share some of what you just told me 15 years ago. There's a clip on YouTube. And I was just so taken back. Like, I could spend the whole time talking about your relationship with your dad, talking about being encouraged to go to NC State by your mom, I guess it was. And the assault, I think you said playing basketball, that really just hit me hard. And both those things alone could just be a whole story into themselves. One of my closest friends went to NC State as a teenager. One of my favorite memories is uh, Jim Valvano running across that court. Yeah. Who am I going to hug? Who am I going to hug? And Derek yeah. Wittenberg to Lorenzo Charles. So you, you've obviously got some uh, epic sports moments there. But when you watch the movie, I can only imagine. I'm going to assume you've seen it. Have you seen that movie? Actually, I I haven't, believe it or not. I've uh, not seen it. I know I'm terrible. I'm so sorry. Well, I, because I, man, seeing that movie, I mean, when, when I watched that clip of you the other day, I just thought that movie has got to have an impact on your life. Like it would anybody, but I mean, I was, I'm sure being in, in the music industry and you probably have more than interacted with the Mercy Me guys and no Bart. Yeah. I mean, what you know of his story when you hear it, does that impact you? Yeah. You know, honestly, you know, Bart for many years, I would, I would run in, close circles, you know, and he's always been very kind. And he's a really funny guy. Like he's just a joker, man. And like just, you know, one of those kind of youth pastor type, really just always quick witted, real fast guy. So I've always really enjoyed being near him. But when I heard the story about, I can only imagine. And then, then I heard a lot about, honestly, about the movie, man, I remember, I, I literally thought, I don't know if I need to watch that or if I don't, um, because of my own story and kind of what it's been like going through with my father. I mean, the answer is I need to watch it, but I just haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so honestly, what I learned is how much more respect I have for Bart. Mm. Just like, man, like good for you, man. You poured all of that into something that was obviously cathartic to you, but also glorified the Lord. And, you know, we get a choice, right? We do get a choice. When hard times hit, we get a choice. We can say, oh, it's all, where's God? He doesn't care about me, so I'm going to go the opposite direction and run right into chaos and right into destruction. Or we can go, God, I need you now. And we can run into his arms and, and start, give our very level best to seek him out, to find him. The Bible tells us if we seek him, we will find him. And that's what I found true in my own life. Like Even when everyone I knew in this world had abandoned me, God was still there. God, I still had this, this knowledge that, God wasn't finished with me yet. And that's what sustained me through some of the most difficult times in my life. So let me ask you, well, <laughs> I, I'm so torn. I want to tell you to go watch the movie, hands down, easily go do it. But I'm not surprised yeah. you said what you said, that you're not totally sure you want to watch, because I cannot imagine. I, mean, I don't know how emotional you can get, but I got a feeling that movie would have some pretty strong emotions attached to it. It's funny, at my age now, I'm, I'm starting to 
to walk back. I'm at, at this age, I'm able to, with more maturity, walk back through, you know, things that happened. Like I, I made a choice uh, years ago that I was going to love my dad for who he was and not hate him for who he can never be. You know, I just refused to hate my father like because he is a product of where he came from. And, and you know what? One day my dad will be gone and I will be a man of extreme sorrow if I just hid myself away and just such brokenness and i just know that i get to be a part of of um of the redemptive story of my father in fact i have been a part of the redemptive story of my father i mean the songs that i wrote when i started my career very few people know you know it's been so long ago but our first record was so about that the father-son dynamic and so much about that and my dad that, that that first record altered his life I and mean, I, I you know he heard those songs on the radio and had to pull the car off the you know the side of the road and, and ask god god to come and be his father as i was crying out for god to be my father through the songs so yeah. you know as i'm getting older i'm beginning to head on definitely trying to head on these things a little bit more but there's still some times where it's like okay i know bart i know him well uh I, not well but i know him well enough and i i, I know the story the story sounds really eerily similar to my own sure maybe i should still just let that be <laughs> well and see what's interesting is is you compare him with you and when i watch that old clip granted you know like you said you've gotten older you've matured it was 15 years ago but i could see the impact the emotion not just of where there was pain there was hurt whatever but also where you've just grown into the man of god that you are and i think that's what's such a great i, I love testimonies i've been doing some something yeah. with some of the men in our ministry where we've been sitting down in groups and talking about the fact that god delights in us and we delight in him and it's it's one of the gospel traits to me that goes so both ways you know grace comes to us we don't get to extend graces god's way right. we worship him he doesn't worship us but delight goes both ways and for you two, and I think for, for you, Jason, there was just a thing where you easily could have thrown in a towel. You could have said, my life goes to pot and I've got all these vices, but you've done anything but that, it looks like. And I, I want to get in a family a little bit because that's the word that just really yeah. stood out to me about you. When I, when I watch some of these clips about you, I'm like, this guy is a family guy. But before I get to that, I read something recently and it said that we all have this desire to be found. We're found by God and daily in relationships, we're still looking to be found. As I watched mm. that clip of you, a couple of clips, I thought about having read that recently. Do, do you resonate with that at all that we still, as people, whether we're kids, whether we're adults, we have a desire daily, regularly to be found? And how does that yeah. impact you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, that definitely connects with me. It's funny for me that desire there's there's always going to be somewhat of a little bit of a struggle for me i know this about myself that you know i want to be seen you know like i know like and it comes from feeling like i wasn't seen when i was young that that comes from feeling like no one cared and all that kind of stuff right that's an that's an untruth that has sometimes that can attach itself to us and then i heard a pastor one time say that we all think that the problems and the struggles that we face in this life are just planes and that we're on a straight line. And when we get to that plane, we're not going to have to deal with it again. Pastor said it's much more like a barber wheel mm. with our plane going through the middle, meaning we'll hit it here and then the wheel will turn and we'll move forward and then we'll hit it and be better equipped to handle it again and then turn and move forward, better equipped to handle it again. So 
I know that about myself. I know that that there's always going to be that in me, and I, I. But I'm also spending as much time as I can with my own children and my own wife, kind of letting them know, like, you are known, you are loved, uh, you are not perfect, but you are known and loved fully. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's that's really where I've found great peace in my own life now, is to be able to extend that kind of love to the people around me that matter the most. That that has been a huge part of me even finding peace in my own life. Amen. So we're a land on the word family. Uh, it's more than just yeah. where we come from, you know, where right. we belong. Oh, that sounds like a song title. Sorry. Your emotion as parents. There was a, an interview I saw with you. I forgot where, who did it, but you saw a clip of Courtney and your daughter. I get your wife, Courtney seems to have a lot of fun making videos. I don't know if it's through Instagram solely or Facebook or whatever, but yeah. their eyes got real big. They were in the car and I don't think you had seen it yet. And you just had this great reaction. Like, loving what they do and, and just speak yeah. to family and you guys seem like you're having a great time in life. So speak to family, what that means to you. Well, I mean, se- second from accepting Christ to be my Lord and savior and Lord of my life and anyone, I would say it's about anyone. The second most important life uh, decision you make is who are you going to share this life with? You know, who, who do they make you better? Are they, do they encourage you? Are they, you know, and, and, and I just, I just knocked that whole wife thing out of the park. I mean, I just, you know, she's just, she, she demands me to be better in a great way. She, she met, she doesn't ask me like, Oh, why are you going away to go? Put? She's like, go do what you're called to do. You know what I mean? Wow. And so, so that permeates every, you know, part of my life. I know that I've made the right choice there. And so when the struggles come and when the difficulty comes, which obviously comes with any relationship. I, I can look back and go, no, 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 I know exactly. You know, God put her in my life for life. I don't know what I would do without her. My uh, my kids are wild and crazy. Um, my son is, uh, he just turned 18. He's an amazing musician, incredible drummer. Um, he's actually about to go to college to study music, um, even though he's already playing, he's already tracking drums in the studio all the time. He's already producing records. It, it, you know, it's crazy. Um, my daughter is a, an artist and in her spare time, she's a cheerleader or vice versa. And, you know, life is incredibly hectic and incredibly busy, but it's, and very full, but we're trying, we do our best to make the most out of the moments that we have uh, again, because along the way, I felt like many moments were stolen from my family when we were younger by bad choices and by decisions that were selfish. So we try our best to work really, really hard to make as selfless uh, of decisions as possible with long-term thoughts as much as is humanly possible, you know? And so, man, the, the family's awesome. My wife, every day, I, I mean, I, if, if I, I still have no idea what this woman thinks, you know, like, <laughs> I've been married to her for 20 years, 21 this year. And I'm wow. still like, I don't, I don't know where she's at. I don't know what she's thinking. And so I love that about her. And I'd also say this too, you know, when you see my, if people do see my family, one of the things that I love about my wife is actually that the funny things that, that I see, the, probably my reaction to what, whatever it was that I saw is that she's not an Instagrammer. She's not a, you know, she's not a, let me show you my whole, like, watch this, look at me. She's not a look at me. That's not who she is. And it's probably the thing I respect the most about her. She just genuinely is going to do what she's called to do. 
and she doesn't care if anybody sees it. Oh, if I could just be more like that, mm. right? Like that's, that's, that is, I think freedom. And I think it's also power oh. to be a person who's just like, I don't care if you see what I'm doing, but I'm going to go do what God's called me to do. And I'm sure. doing it right now. And I'm going whether you come with me or not. And that's who my wife is. So, you know, that's why I probably, probably was really excited about whatever I saw. I was like, wow, I would have yeah. never known that. Yeah. What really speaks to me about you, Jason, just even in this conversation, not even from doing research about you, but you just seem like the guy when we get up and, you know, I do a men's ministry called The Gathering and our tagline is connecting men to men and men to God. And we know so often guys are known by what they do. If you're the type of guy to say, the lead singer building 429, it's not who I am, it's what I do. And it's just, you know, this is not who I am. It would seem like it's so true coming from you. Like you're not just doing lip service and that's what I'm supposed to say. And I want my identity to be in Christ. You just seem like that guy. Is that, is that fair well, to say? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely feel like my value on this earth comes really genuinely based on, you know, what Christ says about me. But I think the way that that works itself out is I know my number one priority is to be a good husband and father. I and mean, that's, you know, like, I go out and play all these shows and my whole family falls apart. Well, you know, what's the point? It's just, it's literally pointless. And again, I could look at my life and say, God, where were you when my father made these choices? Or I can look at my life and go, Oh God, you were showing me how to be a good man. You were giving me straight up note by note instructions. You know what I mean? And so I can either be angry about what didn't work the way I wanted it to. When I was younger, I can go, man, God, thank you so much for number one, my father was not a great father, but he's an amazing grandfather. I mean, this dude loves my children well. Mm. Number two, I have the perfect blueprint of how to be unselfish and try to be the man that I'm called to be. And the music thing, you know, it's awesome. I love doing it. But again, I, got, I just don't, yeah, I don't see it as the most important thing. I will love the verse in 1 Corinthians 11, one about follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And I mm, think your yeah. attitude your perspective, your mindset, that to me is where you might have it in many other areas, but your first Corinthians 11, one example is your attitude, your perspective, your mindset. I, I could just, it radiates. And I, and I love that about oh. you, Jason. I'm so far from perfect, my friend, but yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah not not saying that. <laughs> I'm sure if I got to know you, you, I'd see some flaws, but yeah. talk about the meaning behind building 429. I love it. And is that more true today in 2021 your reason for why the band is named that than it was when you yeah. guys came up with the name. Well, the name comes from Ephesians 4.29, which says, let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth except that which is helpful for building others up according to your needs that it might benefit those who listen. It's so funny because when we named ourselves that, you know, I was eight, 19, you know, and or 20, maybe 20, 21. At the time, it was like, hey, man, let's be an encouragement to people you know what's funny about scripture? The more that you quote it, the more it changes you. The more you literally become more like that. And like, it's so funny. If I've been told, one time I've been told a thousand times, God, you're so encouraging. I don't even mean to. It's just kind of like, hey, man, what would I need to hear in this situ situation? You know, and most of the time, what I feel like people need to hear is, hey, man, God's for you. God's with you. You're not doing anything. You know, like just, just steady on. Like, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Steady on, man. And so... And what's funny is, is that over the years, there have been times when I was like, ah, band name, you know, God, nobody can remember that band name, you know, whatever. But here we are in a world full of just, you know, complete negativity. 
in a world full of people who want to just share, you know, we actually know now that large portions of the algorithm of the world around us, uh, you can make a lot of money by just being negative. You make a lot of money just by poking the bear and making people angry. And I don't know, like, I just feel like, you know, that whole idea, let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth, except that which is helpful for building others up. Man, that, that little litmus change there. Don't say anything negative. Okay, got it. Only say things that are helpful for building others up. Oh, wow. Well, that changes my speech, doesn't it? Mm. It changes my whole concept of what I'm saying, acting, and how I'm engaging with people. And yeah, man, I think it's more pertinent than it's ever been before. And like all things in my life, that was my wife's idea. Mm. Amen. That's good stuff. So to your songs, your, your probably two biggest radio hits, We Won't Be Shaken, which is an all-time song to me. Every time I hear that song, I, I think I get goosebumps. And Where I Belong, um, I'm curious, when you're in the studio, you're writing, I think, did you write, you helped write We Won't Be Shaken, correct? Yeah. Did yeah. you do that with Where I Belong to, or just? Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wrote them. So, uh, now, I, mean, I had some great, I had some great songwriters in the room helping me kind of work that out. And honestly, what's interesting is We Won't Be Shaken was kind of almost like the chorus kind of felt right you know like I, I had a couple of writers i was writing with and they said hey we have this thing and then it was up to me to figure out how we're going to get the verses you know this world has nothing for me this life is not my own you know all that stuff I, and what's wild is that song i had a songwriting session with these guys and they'd said hey i think we want to write something about shaking we won't be shaking something like that well, that sounds great i love that and they sent me just kind of a, a rough scratch thing of it and Whatever will come our way, through fire or pouring, we won't be shaking. I was like, I love that. That's awesome. And then I just immediately sat at a desk and just wrote both verses wow. by myself. And I walked into, uh, and the bridge, and I walked into the writing room. It was down in Franklin. And, you know, we thought it was going to be this long day of us carving, figuring out, you know, the thing. And I sang the verse and they said, let's go. And we tweaked a little bit on the chorus. And I mean, that, that song probably came together in hour and a half, two hours, vocal tracking and everything. And it was so cool too, because I, there was a couple of people that were involved in that song that I didn't even know that were involved. Uh, my buddy, Tim, who plays guitar for Toby Mac, he wrote the guitar part for that. And so it's just one of those collaborative efforts. And it hit me like kind of the story of, of my life is kind of like hold the line man like you know what i mean like when everyone else runs hold mm -hmm. the line and so you know we won't be shaken was absolutely dead center of they, they knew that that was dead center of the message that i wanted to share so when we wrote the back half of the chorus and then wrote the bridge as soon as we finished it we're like that's done and move, wow. move next song <laughs> yeah well, and you had me. I never knew Timmy Rose was a part of that because I, you know, I'm a big Toby fan, and and yeah. I love Timmy Rose. I met him once. He was a gracious guy. Oh. But you know, you know what's neat about what you just shared there, Jason. So I, I think it's, there's certain songs for me that I go to a moment, a place, and time. And you guys did that song at, at Spirit Song at Kings Island several years ago. And that particular, I've heard you several times, but at Kings Island at Spirit Song, something about that song went to another level with me. I don't know if it was the crowd. I don't know if it was just you guys performing it summer night outside, whatever it was. But when you write a song like that, you have that kind of quick experience where boom, it's done. And, or when you're done recording it, do you just, are you in a studio and you guys are like, 
man, that's gold. That's gonna that's gonna do something. That's gonna transcend or what? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a great question. There have been a couple of songs, and I honestly I felt I felt that way about that song. I, I thought it was great. I just thought, man, like this is on point, on message. There's so many. And I, I think about songs in the way that they get dissected, you know, because I'm a storyteller. So I want to take this song now and call the song the you know the uh, hubcap and then run the spokes off and how many mm-hmm. different ways can we, can we share the hope of this song and of this thought and of this idea. And so shaken was like, man, I can run with that all day long. Another song though, the song that I just knew was where I belong. I just, I mean, I don't know how to, I don't, I don't even know how to explain that. We, we finished, I sang the, the, um, I wrote that with a friend of mine named Jason Ingram. He's this amazing writer. And, you know, honestly, I wrote that out of, we wrote that out of an experience that I'd had in a small group the night before where a lady was going through cancer and we just felt like we needed to write, uh, take this world, give me Jesus, you know, was the idea, you know, and this is not where I belong. And what's funny is when we finished it, I remember sitting in the studio and management was in the studio. They're all listening. It was very much like a movie type thing Mm -hmm. where when, when the choir was singing and they turned the track on. It was the first time when you hear that choir start singing that just full on, all I know is I. It just like was, oh my God, it's huge. And that was my church choir that came down and did that. So they got to be involved. And now funny, funny story is when we turned that song in, there was a lot of concern that it was too simple. And also we released it, I think, in October and in December. The label called us and said, "We're sorry, we don't think it's going to happen. We, we're probably going to need to shift to another song." Wow! And then in January seventh, I think, was the first night that we were playing Winter Jam. We opened the show, and we started that chorus, and it was crazy. No one knew it. It wasn't on the radio, but it just the roof came off the bed. I remember just standing. There's actually, if you watch the music video for where I belong, it's one of the nights on winter. It's like the first night of winter jam, I think. And I literally turned to the band and just like, looked at them like, what is going on? Mm. And they caught that on video. And it very much like that. I thought the song was awesome, but then there was, you know, the doubt that comes when they're like, Hey, it's not going to happen. Sure. Then lo and behold, it runs away and becomes song of the year. Pretty cool. Wow. That's man. I, I, I love hearing, Lingering and you tell them more of that. That's great. So five quick questions. I call them the rapid five. We're going to go All fast right. and furious, Jason. What is your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, I'll tell you what. I found some generic brands of that reason. I've been tearing that up. That is some good it's stuff. so good. What is your favorite book you most want to gift to other people or you have gifted to other people? Well, Bonhoeffer's amazing. Uh, you just got to have the ability to hang in there. And then against the fray. I think it's what it's called. It's an amazing book. Um, I haven't heard of that. Huh? I don't know. I get caught in these these books that are somewhat theological, and I'm, I want to keep growing. Wow, that's great. When you say Bonhoeffer, are you talking about the Eric Metaxas one, or are you talking about Bonhoeffer's books that he wrote? No, no, the Eric Metaxas. Metaxas one. Okay, okay. Yeah. What? And here's a great one for you. Now, you're, I know your kids are a little bit older, but I've experienced this. So my family's on vacation. We're making a road trip. We like to go to um, there's either Delaware or New Jersey. And we're kind of timing out the lunch stop, where we're going to get to, traffic. Someone's got to go to the bathroom. Something kind of goes astray, and we end up stopping, let's say, 10 minutes sooner than we think. And we're like, okay, well, we're going to stop. Let's just go and get lunch as well. 
we see on the exit sign these three places, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, In-N-Out Burger. Where are you and Courtney stopping? Oh, wow. Where do I stop or where do my oh, kids See, stop? that's always a question. You're going to In-N-Out Burger, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My daughter is like, is trying to just pull the wheel at the Chick-fil-A, <laughs> but In-N-Out is where I'm going. What's, what would Courtney do if it was just her or she's with a bunch of her female friends? Where does she go in that equation? Uh, she's going to In-N-Out because we don't have it well, here. There you, go. Yeah. you know, so, you know, if, if, if we see it, we're going there. Yeah. I think that's the right answer. I think people think you know, if we follow Jesus, we're supposed to say Chick-fil-A and I love it, but I'm in Ohio. We don't have, we don't have in and out here. If I'm going Phoenix, California, wherever it is, I'm getting some in and out all day, all day because, because we, we pay the mortgage on the building for Chick-fil-A here in our hometown. <laughs> well, there, there's no right answer to most of these questions, but you did get the right yeah. answer there. So yeah. Jason, what movie, if you stumble across it, would you say time and time again, if it, you've seen it 20 times, you've seen it 50, it doesn't matter. If you come across this movie, you're staying until the end. Yeah, I would, there's, there's two that immediately come to mind. Um, the first, this is going to be, you're going to think this is crazy, but the first one would be the Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, wow. Uh, the second, this is probably my all time favorite movie would be Tommy Boy. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time. I just saw it last year for the first time in a long time. It is, I'd forgotten it is pretty funny. It's, it's hilarious. I love that movie because it's hilarious. And then it turns on a dime and it's so sad. And then they figure out a way to get you right back out. And yeah. it, it's just brilliant the way that they wrote. Now, you know, it's a lot of colorful stuff there, but you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. My wife grew up in that area. So it's always interesting to see Akron and, and that Northeast oh, yeah. part of Ohio that my wife's from. So Moving on back to some other good stuff here. So when we talked recently, but to even get this ball rolling, you were on tour with Skillet when they were doing their drive-in movie theater tour. And I couldn't believe when I heard your voice and you know, they're going to the intermission and here's, was it food for the hungry? And I hear this voice and cause I usually leave like the minute I know somebody's coming up to speak. I'm like, oh, I, sure. do, I do my compassion thing. Whoever you are, I'm with compassion. I'm going to go yeah. to the, I'm going to go hang out. I'm going to go get something to eat or drink at the drive-in thing. It's like re-snack. It's whatever. And I hear this voice and I'm like, wait, a, wait, wait, a, wait a second. Oh my God. That's Jason Roy from building. What is he doing? And yeah. so, so talk about that. I mean, you obviously are doing a lot with music or whatever, but talk about even something like that. And was that life giving to you going on tour and not being a musician or what was that like? Well, you have to rewind and go 20 years, 150 shows a year, you know, and when you play a concert, I'll let people in on kind of the back end of what, you know, what's going on. Number one, we were still, everything was a little bit uncertain up in the air, you know, in terms of how's touring going to come back? Is it going to be okay? Is it not going to be okay? Then number two, Food the Hungry, dear friends, Skillets, dear friends, uh, Jordan's, they're all friends. So, you know, when they call and say, hey, do you want to go hang with Skillet Jordan? I'm like, yeah, sure, man. I'll do that. No problem. And I don't, I don't think, I think if we love the Lord, then nothing should be beneath us. Mm. I just don't, I just don't think that there's, we can't take ourselves too seriously, you know? And, and I, I wouldn't have said that years ago. Mm. I, would, I would have been different about it. But I think that um, being out there with those guys was very life-giving. The backside of playing concerts is you've got to worry about like, are people there? Who's, you know, put a crew together? Is the bus going to break down? Like all those things that you're constantly thinking about as the 
executive of say whatever artist you are and and it was nice for me to go out and not worry about it you know for a little bit and love on some people i got to really not that jordan Feliz and his band need any help at all from me or colton but i got to spend a lot of time just investing and loving mm. on them and doing that that 429 thing with them and walked away with just great friends and you know it was awesome I love what you said there. I always think of the Mike Donahue story he tells in the early days of 10th Avenue North when, you know, praying before the concert, praying that God would use him. And then the one day felt like the Lord said, well, what if I don't want to use you? What if I, I just, I'm going to do great things. Are you okay not being used type of thing? And uh, I love how you're honest and saying you a number of years ago, that wouldn't have been a case. You might've had a problem doing something beneath you. Again, perspective shifts over time in the kingdom of God, you know, like, who knows what's you know up down left right you know like god's values are are important to me and yeah so you know i I enjoyed i actually did that i went out and did the same thing on the carrie job tour and it was so great i just enjoyed hanging with her team Mm. and for me after building my own team and having you know up to 20 or some odd people working for me at any given time to be able to go out and see how other teams are run you know, maybe do some, maybe learn from some things, you know, sure. it was awesome. Well, I was wondering a little bit, I, don't, I can't remember building 429 was touring around that time, but there had to be a little part of you that felt a little that drew, Drew Holcomb has a song I love called uh, go somewhere. I got to, I got to go somewhere. You're probably feeling a little bit like I'm, I'm used to touring. I got to go do something. If this is how God wants to use me and wants to work. And this is the invitation. I love these guys. Anyway, yeah. let's go do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I will say too, though, important side note, you know, like, a lot of people went home during COVID and it was disastrous for them. Mm. You know, like just, man, like the whole family maybe hadn't been taken care of or whatever, you know? And, and I went home and was like, Oh my gosh, like I like my, I like my bed. I like, mm. I like having, co- I, li- I, I, I genuinely enjoyed making coffee for my morning, uh, for my wife every morning wow. before anybody else woke up, you know, like just, I don't know. It was a life I didn't know. I'd ne- from the time I was in college to now, I had never had uh, multiple weekends off mm. in my entire career. I, di- I didn't know what it was like to go to, you know, to get up and go for a walk in the park on a Saturday morning. I had oh. no idea because we had toured that hard for that long. So for me, it was very life giving, and I just made me rethink some things sure. and go like, "Hey, man, like maybe what you think is so important isn't quite as important as you think it is." And so that's kind of where I am right now. So staying on that quick question, quick answer. I mean, do you, when you look across the music industry and you know, obviously a lot of people firsthand and maybe some to a lesser extent, secondhand, do you think COVID was either significant growth improvement wins across the board in a given family? Or do you think, or, and, or it was totally disastrous in other cases. Was there kind of no in the middle? No, I, I, I think that in general, the feeling of what, and from other artists that we played with this last year, man, everyone's different now. I can't, I can't explain it to you, but like when, maybe I can't explain it to you. When you play, say you go to work every single day of the year and then they, they stop and they say, hey, you know, you may not have a job, you know? And, and then they call and they say, you know, whatever, how much time is off? Hey, come on back. You're grateful. Mm-hmm. You're, not, you're not dreading going out to do what you've been called to do. Now you're like, man, like mm-hmm. I get to do this. It gets you, gets you. It's like a moment where you get to go, wow, 
what I got to do was amazing. And if it comes back, awesome. And if it doesn't, okay. Um, but gen generally, I found that that has been the perspective of people has been like, like, I'm just going to hold this out of my hands. Sure. And, and I feel like um, also, I think within most of the artists that I, in fact, every artist that I've talked to, it has been so, it was such a blessing for their family, for their marriage, for their kids. I mean, my, think about it like this. My son was a junior. How many people, now again, they're horrible atrocities, loss of life, all these terrible, obviously it was terrible. Yet at the same time, my son's junior year, I literally got to spend a year with him. Mm. When I was a junior, I didn't want to even talk to my dad. I was out the door and gone, you know? So, you know, and not only did we talk, but we talked about real things, mm. you know, like, Hey, where's God in all this? Like, wow, I, what a blessing to be able to have that moment. Yeah, that's man. I, I tell you what, you're you're sharing some great stuff here, Jason. Let's close with this. You're 75 years old. You and Courtney are drinking that cup of coffee you made for her that was special. That you got the time. You guys seem to be living now and in the past, and I'm guessing in the, in the future, a John 10:10 full abundant life. What does it look like when you're around 75 years old? Well, my, my goal would be to be 75 years old and to be in a position where they say, hey, we, we need you to get on a plane and go to Africa to help build something for somebody that needs it. And I can drop a hat and go. Um, my goal would be that my wife and I are surrounded by, you know, grandkids and great grandkids. And, and we're just in a position where we're investing, hopefully, whatever wisdom we've attained with as many people uh, as possible. And again, just my, my great hope is that, you know, we're life giving uh, to other people. And I, I know my wife and I are gonna, assuming that we both live to be 75, I, I know that we're gonna still enjoy each other and we're still gonna be so invested in our kids' lives. But really a great goal of my life is to figure out a way to build my life in such a way that at the drop of a hat, I can drop everything to be where God calls me to be. And, finances and all that mm. stuff is hopefully mm. I can figure out how to make it to where it's not even something I'm worried about. Sure. Jason, thanks so much for this time. I know we started a conversation uh, six months ago to get to this point. I, I don't want to overhype when I say this, but I feel like I'm a better man for having been on this podcast interview conversation with you. You know, if, if someone doesn't know you, I encourage them certainly to listen to this, but also to check out other things because if you're seen as a guy who's a lead singer of a band who writes music, for building 429 and that's it they are missing out i love your music i love what you guys do i told you i had that experience with you guys with king's island uh, just really that that being spoken to into my heart big time where i belong is a great song you guys just have great music I and mean, we could go on and on about that but i feel better i'm encouraged i'm inspired i'm challenged and i hope people get a chance to take a whole lot more of a look at what you're doing and much fruit and many blessings in your life jason Absolutely, man. Bless you. Thank you so much. And man, I really enjoyed this conversation. Great job, man. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.